Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we're the Money Medics. And we're the hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast will we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Your Real Money Stories. I'm Nick. I'm Eve. I'm Ashley. And uh, I think today we're going to be talking about a very important topic that we addressed in season one. Mm. But it was important that we readdress this again because it's a reoccurring theme. Things are not getting better. And so it's always important that we shine a spotlight um, mm. on, on this particular topic, and that is financial abuse. Yeah. Mm. So this is an anonymous story episode. As usual, it's going to be split into three sections. First, you're going to hear an anonymous story from our guest. Obviously, the name that we give them, that's not their real name. And then um, we're going to have a discussion and then share some useful tips um, at the end. Mm. And similar to what you are saying, this is a recurrence. Um, in fact, there's actually statistics that shows that it could be getting worse. So there was a recently released statistics from ONS where police recorded almost 34,000 cases of coercive control, mm. which is up a third from the year before. And coercive control includes financial abuse where the abuser uses money to control their partner. Mm. So like you said, we have Julie again, that's not her real name. And just to understand the, serious of, the seriousness of the, the situation, mm. Um, 1.46 million cases of domestic abuse was recorded um, by ONS. Um, and as we all know, because of lockdown, uh, a lot of people were more inside and more restricted than they were before. Mm. So it's really, really important that if you know someone who's going through a similar situation or if you're spotting the signs, uh, please do reach out. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining us today. Um, just generally speaking, how are you? How's your day been? Yeah, good. Thanks, Buzzy. Bet near the snow, but <laughs> yeah, good. No need to be nervous at all. I mean, sh- feel free to share as much as you feel comfortable sharing. Of okay. course, if there's anything that you don't want to say, then by all means, it's all completely up to you. You can feel free to take the floor. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's just go straight from the very, very beginning. So... Um, before you met your ex-partner, what type of person were you like? Just describe how life was at the time. Still living at home, mm-hmm. really bubbly, you know, really one of those people that like my friends would describe like that was always smiling, that yeah. was just full of beans and, and the kind of person that organised everything and um, wanted to help everybody and, you know, a bit of an agony and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but in quite a good place, yeah, like, good job. Um, like I said, still living at home with my parents. Mm. Um, and generally, yeah, just, you know, life was kind of normal. It was fine. Yeah. Nothing unusual. Okay. <laughs> and exactly how did you meet him? So I, um, I had always been overweight. And never been sort of a hundred percent confident about myself um, and about how I looked. So decided to get into the gym. Um, had lost like eight and a half stone, so was feeling really good. Mm. And decided to set myself a challenge of running mm. um, a ten k. So 
Um, there was an advert in the local paper that one of the local running clubs was doing like a women's group to help okay. you get like under an hour. Mm. So I thought well, that sounds really good. Spoke to the, the guys in the gym and stuff, and they were like, "Yeah, you should go and do it. It will really get your time down, and as well as getting sort of exercise and meeting other people and stuff." So I, I did. I phoned mm. and then went along, and the coach that I met was the, the guy that we're we're here to talk about. <laughs> Mm. you know came across as like this really genuine helpful let's get you set off on this this journey of getting this 10k done and you know just like a really nice person to chat to and stuff yeah and it kind of went from there it was still can't quite work out how it all happened but I get that and here we are so (laughs) and so like what was it about him specifically that you know you were first attracted to it wasn't like that and that's the strange thing, I think, when people ask me how I ended up in the position I was in. It wasn't a romantic relationship. It was and it wasn't. Uh, it's quite hard to sort of explain to people. But when we met, it was like a coach relationship. It was great. He, he was coaching me and stuff. And then he was sort of, oh, you need a new pair, a proper pair of running shoes. So let's let's go out and get you a proper pair of running shoes and mm. um, I'll help me. So he took me to a running shop. You know, they do the gait analysis and stuff. And then he was like, let's go out for dinner after it. And I think it was that day it started. Mm. I forgot my wallet. Can you pay for dinner? Right. And that was it. That, that actually, you know, talking to you just now, that's exactly when it started. It was within maybe three weeks of meeting him. Right. Okay. And it, it just kind of grew from there. But he, I didn't really think there was anything romantic in it. But a couple of my friends were like, yeah, he seems to want to go out quite a lot and he wants mm. you to get involved in things. And um, there was 20 years between us. So it wasn't really, mm. you know, he was closer to my parents' age than mine. And it mm. didn't really cross my mind that there was anything romantic in it. But then it kind of just seemed to be the next thing I knew he was sort of we were in a relationship but not not a, a proper romantic relationship that you would you would think was a relationship mm. he had a lot of um, emotional problems so it started from there um, I need your support I need you to help me I don't feel great I want to you know I don't want to be here anymore and that's where it all stemmed from that's that's when it started to get really bad and that would have been about five or six weeks in not a huge time period mm. but I guess if asking me about the kind of person I was I'm the kind of person that I want to help people mm. you know I, I, and I think he could see that he could see that I was quite an emotional person I'm quite open um, I'm the kind of person that cries at movies and you know oh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing yeah and I think he could see that and I think he knew that um, the way that he manipulated me I think he knew that he could probably get away with doing what he did quite easily and um, just based on, on my personality and mm. the way I responded to things, you know, it's really quite hard to talk about that. And it's, I think I still look back and kind of blame myself a wee bit, but taking a step back, I know that it's not my fault what happened. Mm. Mm. No, Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely um, not your fault at all. I think from the, from the dozens and countless stories we've read it starts like it's the really really small things like from someone looking inside out uh you would think someone setting you a budget or maybe looking over your bills you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a sign of uh financial abuse or financial manipulation so in your situation what small things did he start to do in retrospect and they came across harmless at the time? So 
small things like, oh, have you seen, there's a new film coming out, let's go to the cinema and then get in there and he'd forgotten his wallet, he didn't have his bank card, he had no cash on him, and then that mm. was the norm. So yeah. that that would become the norm. Oh, I need petrol, but I've left my wallet in the house. So can you get me petrol? A windscreen wiper's broken and I've not got any cash on me or I've not been paid yet. Mm. Could you get that? Could you pay for that repair for me? Um, I need my car because he was self-employed. So this was somebody that, you know, practised sort of um, alternative medicine. So was like a sports therapist as well. Mm. So okay. was working with what I thought was like, quite a, a profitable sort of industry to be working in mm. but he never seemed to have any money mm-hmm. I need it's somebody's birthday I need a, I need something here and I need can you pick me up a card or um just really small things but mm. then they start to get bigger so mm. the repairs on the car um asking for he was emotionally unstable so he, he got to a point the way he manipulated me was to basically threaten to kill himself mm. and uh, would walk about with a, a bag full of tablets which he would show me mm. <laughs> so me being how i am that I would be horrified if I mm. thought it was my fault that somebody decided to take that that step because mm. I couldn't help them or I didn't do what he wanted me to do. So mm. that was how it went over the next five years. Wow. And at one point, he, he, he actually took 142 sleeping tablets. Oh, wow. And I knew nothing about it because nobody in his life knew that I existed. I found out by basically going to his mum's front door, he still lived with his mum as far as I knew because he we were supposed to have an appointment, in a coaching appointment, and he didn't turn up. And that was how I found out that he'd taken an overdose mm. and was in intensive care. Wow. And after that, it got worse. It was paying for hotel bills because he didn't want to be around anyone, paying for flights because he wanted to go on retreats and he wanted to be away volunteering abroad, mm. running up credit cards for things that he needed. He needed an iPad, he needed books to do his course, all those kind of things, like anything you could think that somebody might need just mm. ended up on a credit card in my name and it just didn't stop. It didn't stop until the day I stopped it. It mm. just kept going. It was constant. So, like, in your relationship, like, did you guys ever have, like, any conversations about money, budgeting, saving for the future? Anytime I tried to ask him, like, you know, are you not are you not making money? Are you not working? Are you mm. not... Um, it would become, I can't cope with that just now. You're stressing me out. You're mm. causing me um, more, more pain. Um, so putting it back on me as if it was a really unreasonable question. And mm. looking back on that now, there's nothing unreasonable about asking somebody like, can you share in this bill? Can you help with this? Mm. Um, you know, I was on sort of an all right salary, mm-hmm. but not enough to cope with mm. my own living expenses plus his, mm. plus, you know, the extras that he needed. Mm. So it just, honestly, it's just one of those things you think, how? Mm. How did you do it? And and on and looking back now, I wish I wish I'd taken a step back, or I wish somebody had said to me that isn't normal behaviour. It's yeah. not your responsibility to pay for everything. It's not. It's not how these things should work. You know. Mm. Um, I felt really responsible for how he was emotionally. Mm. As if it was it was up to me to help him to get him through yeah. this and get him over that that period of time where he, he just was struggling. But I I, I know now that it wouldn't have mattered what I did. Yeah, I, I couldn't have made a difference. Mm. At like any point in the relationship, did he? Did you ever know how much he was making? Or no, never. 
never. Mm. And at one point, I actually don't think he was working at all. He was married to somebody else, and I didn't know. Um, and was living, was going between sort of, I had rented a flat by this time because I was still living at home and I met him and then he was sort of like, I need somewhere to be um, and I need to be around you. So we'd gone from paying, I, was, I had gone from paying for um, hotels for him to then renting a flat and it turned out that he was going between where I was, his mum's house and his wife's house. Wow. So none of it was in his name. None of it belonged to him. He had no responsibilities anywhere. There was absolutely nothing mm. in writing that would have shown anybody that him and I had ever been in contact. Mm. And it's interesting that he uses these like manipulation techniques tactics to get you to do the things that he wants you to do but in regards to the apartment that you just mentioned so you said that he was living in the apartment but also in other places as well so did you ever bring up the fact that he would disappear for a few days or how did that ever come into conversation you know he would disappear for a few days at a time and at Mm. first I was sort of like you know couldn't get a hold of you didn't know where you were yeah Um, and he would be like oh I just uh, I packed the car up and I went I went hill walking and I pitched a tent and there was a bit of making a light really yeah Again, you couldn't question that because you didn't know what response you were going to get. And it, mm. it got to the point, he wasn't overly physical with me. Um, mm. There was, at the very end, he, he had me by the throat at one point, and, and that was the end for me. Mm. That was the day I decided I wasn't doing it anymore. But it was wee things, it was sort of the look. You would just get that look, and you would mm. know you couldn't ask him anything else. Mm. You would know that the conversation was over. and. It was just that, you know, that it was just a complete fear of what was going to happen next. Mm. You know, was he going to lose his temper and take it out on me? Because the verbal stuff, I mean, that happened all the time, but it was just hints of being quite strong physically. Mm. Um, I'm only four foot 11, so I'm not the tallest person either. So it's not hard to sort of tower over me and sort of intimidate, Mm. if you know what I mean. It's just, it's, it's, it's horrible when I think about it. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I don't apologise at all. Sorry. I do not apologise. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea. So he would leave like a couple of t-shirts and stuff in the wardrobe, but that was about it. There wasn't a huge amount of stuff. Um, and he was going between me and his mum and his wife. I had no idea he was married until um, maybe about three months before I finished it. Wow. And you guys were together for five years? Yeah, five years I've on for. Um, but the days that he did disappear, sorry, just to, to answer what you actually asked, the yeah. days that he did disappear, it was a relief. Mm. It was like, right, I've got some time on my own. This is yeah. great. I'm not stressed out. I'm not worried. I'm not panicking about anything. I mm. can just relax. And that says I'm a not... lot when you prefer not to, ah. to not be around your partner. You feel yeah. more comfortable when he's not there in comparison to when he is there. Yeah, it wasn't until much later that I realised um, yeah. it was people said to me when he wasn't there, he would go away for like three months on a retreat or something and, yeah. and I remember girls at work saying to me, you're so chilled out, you're like mm. really happy what's what's going on and what's happening. Yeah. And, yeah, it was quite obvious that it wasn't good. Yeah. One thing I wanted to dissect is the financial behaviours of mm. financial abusers. Because one thing that really strikes out to me, you said that he, he most of the time he wouldn't have any money when he did have some money, how did he make his? Because you said you said that a lot of things weren't in his name. Did he mm-hmm. use to pay for things a lot in cash, 
or would he still have a direct debt would he still have, use his debit card how how would he spend money on things did you see any like erratic behavior in his uh spending so he would either use my or use a credit card other than my name mm. he he did have bank cards but i couldn't have told you how much money he had mm. or what he was spending his money on or where it was going mm. no idea mm. so, so to, and to the fact to illustrate that point he was essentially using a lot of your own money yeah. or you or you were incurring bills because of him yeah. How did that affect how you your day to day life? Because if there's so much, if you're spending so much of your income on him, mm-hmm. how were you still able to hang out with friends? Or, or like, how was how was that like? No, that was rare. Mm. So that would be like friends coming to visit me when he wasn't there. Right. And um, so if he was going away for three months and I was on my own, they would come up. They would maybe go out maybe once. Mm. maybe twice but just never it just wasn't possible there just wasn't you know there was no holidays that I could go on with my friends even if they'd asked you Mm. know there was no weekends away there was no girls weekends or um, it wasn't like that at all it was just me in isolation Um, Mm. and I think that's that's exactly what he was aiming for and that's Mm. what he wanted Um, he wanted to be able to pick me up and put me down when he wanted me and when he needed me um, regardless of how I was or what was going on in my life it, it was all about you know him and what he needed and what what was going on in that situation just to add to that so you said it was your money was basically all about him and mm-hmm. spent on him were you able to put any money towards like savings or towards your own goals no. or anything like that at all nope. no no like, don't get me wrong I yeah could, I had enough left to buy food and stuff yeah but nothing like like never going out with my friends at the weekend into town and just saying like right I'm going to spend you know let's just go and buy some new clothes that yeah. that didn't happen that just couldn't have happened yeah it's actually really hard to talk about it now and, and when somebody asks you direct it's like why why I just can't believe that people in this day and age can still get away with that it's complete control mm. it's um, taking away every bit of independence you've got and you know just taking it away from you and I think had I been a bit more aware maybe about what financial abuse was and how how it can sort of manifest itself to people so the the constant never having their bank card on them never having mm. any money to pay for things you know saying to you oh give you that back you know yeah. it just stems from those small things that you might think you know if it was one of my friends I know that they would give me it back tomorrow but mm. it never comes and, and it's those wee things that I think I would say to somebody mm. be aware of that don't that isn't okay yeah if that keeps happening and the thing is like we said it's, it's insidious so mm. it starts mm-hmm. off really subtly and then it builds up and sometimes it is only when you look back and reflect that you realize what's going yeah. on but um when you mentioned that you didn't have money towards your own um goals or you couldn't put anything away is it that he had access to your credit so did he have your credit card like in his pockets or was it more that he was so controlling that he convinced you to give him your credit card um he took he went online Mm. and applied for a credit card in my name oh really um and he also applied for a fifteen thousand pound bank loan that was to pay for a wedding that never happened and could never have happened it was this whole fantasy 
Mm. Of this, I don't know whether he believed that that's what was going to happen, or mm. whether he just used that as a way to make people think, you know, this is what you'll get out of this. So mm. there was a credit card at one point. I think it had a ten thousand pound limit on it, and it was oh lights and um, gifts for family members and um, his his mum and car repairs and anything you could possibly think of. Honestly, mm. I can't. The list just goes on. You know. Did you know about the credit card or? Did it come as a complete surprise? I knew after it when it had come mm. through and he was like, oh, I got that so that we would have, you know, the safety net of this. And, and I was mm. kind of like, well, okay, right, okay. And then um, the loan, he was convinced that we were going to get married and and I, I still cannot explain. I went to counselling about this. I went for um, quite in-depth counselling after all mm. this happened and, mm. and when I spoke to the counsellor I said to them you know I can't believe I was so stupid and he says no this is what happened there's people like that have your sort of personality type you just want to help you just yeah. do what you think is right at the time he says so when somebody's threatening you with suicide or mm. self-harm or yeah. you know something as extreme as that you will do anything you can to help them mm. despite the fact that it was completely damaging me mm. it damaged me for even now talking to you, this was this started two thousand and eight, mm. ended two thousand thirteen, and I'm still paying for it today. I think you know, it's it's horrific that people can do that. But going online nowadays, so the bank loan, he obviously had access to to my flat, and mm. um, he he knew my passwords. He had my right. bank cards. He knew where my pay slips were. Yeah, he held my passport at one point, so I couldn't go anywhere without him. Oh, wow. um, and yeah. you where my driver's license was so yeah. if you've got all that information for somebody it's so easy to go online and apply for a, any mm. kind of credit there's no there's no way you can stop them when they've yeah. got access to all that they know what your annual salary is they know where you work they know mm. where you live he, he was so involved in in every aspect of that side of my life but mm. i knew nothing about what was really going on with him mm. so like when all of this was happening did you tell any friends or family at the time um no i didn't and eventually a couple of my friends were like you know you're not really happy you don't mm. look happy yeah. you're you're not things don't seem to be right but you kind of you, you don't really want to admit to anyone that you've ended up in that situation and mm. that mm. you know you don't know how to get out of it um, but there was one day he phoned and asked me for money and my mum heard them Mm. and I came off the phone he, sorry he, he asked me for money and my mum heard him and she said to me what was that mm. or are you, are you with your mum and I went oh all right okay N never mind it's fine mm. and he hung up and it was my mum that said to me did he just ask you for money yeah. um, and I think that was sort of towards the tail end of 2012 yeah. and it was the 2nd of April 2013 that mm. I finally that was it but that was what 2nd of April 2013 was April, May, June, July, just about three months before we were supposed to have this huge wedding, mm -hmm. which my family knew about, but none of his did. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that he was married to somebody else and it could never happen anyway. Do you know how long he was married to that other person for, or if they're still? I think they got married 2012 when he was with me. Um, I don't oh, know wow. that for sure, but yeah. I can, uh, at the time I thought I could pinpoint the weekend that it had happened. And then going into April, like the, the 2nd of April, I thought this can't, I can't do this anymore. And I mm. phoned him and told him, I can't, I can't do this. I, I never want to see you again. Mm. Mm. What did he say in response to that when you spoke to him? <laughs> he actually said to me, oh no, what's wrong? 
is everything okay? What's wrong? And I was like, mm-hmm. everything's wrong. I said, yeah. I can't, I can't. I said, you're married to somebody else. And um, he was like, oh, well, um, we were going to get divorced. And I said, no, you're married to someone else and this can never happen. I said, and, and that was it. I just ended the conversation. I hung up on him, asked him for my house keys and I hung up on him and eventually had to threaten him with sheriff officers to get my house keys back. And but, how did you feel? So when you, when you called him and ended it, hung up the phone, how did that make you feel there and then? I just felt this huge relief. You yeah, know, I was left true. with tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt, but at mm. the same time, just this huge relief of that's it. Mm. It's done, you know. And I remember my mum and dad saying to me after that, I'm so I'm so pleased. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. You hated them? Like, why didn't you tell me? And they were like, because one, they didn't realise what was actually going on in the background. But mm. two, my mum and dad have always been quite, um, you know, given me my freedom to sort of mm. you know they would never say oh, I don't like don't like this don't like that mm. you know um, but I wish I wish I'd spoken up I wish I spoke to somebody back then it was just it was just the worst time mm. and it's taken me a long time to actually be able to talk about it mm. it's really <laughs> it's hard <laughs> I know like um and in, in kind of looking at um like drawing the positive and and based on like you're being able to share your story with us now how are yeah. things right now um i know oh. you mentioned you've you've gone through therapy to to yeah. pick out and help go through what you've experienced how is your life currently and and, and how's your how are things so i am sort of where are we now sort of eight and a half years down the line i am married to my best friend he's the best thing that ever happened we have got a five-year-old who is you know she's just she's such a gift she's amazing Mm. working through everything and coming out of that and then i met my husband really quite quick after that so i met him in the august and was really quite no, I can't. I can't be with anybody else. And and then spoke to my friends who were like, "You've come through one of the most horrendous times in your life, yeah. and you are happier now than we've ever seen you. So yeah. you've really come through the worst. So mm. taking a chance on somebody else, mm. you know. And I'm so glad I did because you know we moved in together five months after we met, mm. and we've never looked back. Yeah. So you know, it took me a long time to trust though, um, mm. and going through the counselling and stuff was a massive help you know I went to my GP because I thought I just can't cope with this I can't mm. believe it wasn't until I'd managed to sort of end it and take that step back and actually look at what's happened mm. you know mm. to sit down and think I can't believe I've just come through all that you know um, the constant threats the constant worry that something was going to happen worrying that he was going to harm himself um, worrying that he was going to hurt me you know mm. um, and the relief but at the same time the disbelief that you've been through that and you think yeah. what you know if that was one of my friends I'd, I'd, I'd have been saying to them end it walk away mm. you know but I just wasn't telling anyone so nobody really had the chance to say to me this is wrong mm. this isn't right you need to walk away mm. <sighs> I don't oh and I must say, it's actually amazing to hear that you're now married, you've got a baby. Yeah. That is, I'm glad to hear all of those things. And just with regards to what had happened, so now you're in a much better place. Yeah. Were you able to report the fraud or were you able to report him? Was he held accountable for any of the things that he had done to you? Nope. 
Um, I actually work in the legal sector and was lucky enough to have access to some really, really good solicitors who looked into it for me and who were able to say that he is probably an extremely clever person. There was absolutely no proof apart from a few photographs that him and I had ever been connected. Wow. He wasn't on the lease. He wasn't on, you know, he wasn't involved in any sort of official documentation at all. Mm. When we had sort of planned to get married, there was no marriage license. So we kept putting off getting a marriage license and stuff. Mm. And I think, to be honest, there was a part of me like, yeah, that's okay, because I don't think I really wanted to go through with it. But there was no actual proof. There was nothing. There was no hard evidence. There was no counter signature on an application. There was no, he didn't live with me full time. So he wasn't on sort of council tax bills Mm. or anything like that. Um, Everything was in my name. Everything. Mm. And it was my work that had looked into it. And they eventually were able to find out that um, he had got married, had initially applied to get divorced and then written to the court and requested the divorce be stopped mm. all while planning this fictitious wedding with with me oh, wow. and it just none of it was real it was a complete fantasy and then it wasn't until maybe six weeks after I'd finished with him that one of his friends phoned me mm. and she had a watch of mine that she was going to f- get fixed and I'd forgotten she had it anyway she'd managed to get my phone number and she phoned me and she actually apologised and told me that he'd done it before oh, wow. so what? I wasn't yeah he, he'd done it before he, he seems to do this thing where he targets sort of younger mm. women who have you know decent jobs and yeah. or, you know I don't mean decent jobs as in highly paid but I mean it's like sort of proper like a, a career path so that you're yeah. in a good job but they're not jumping from one thing to the next mm. um, they're pretty settled, they're um, that kind of thing, and I wasn't the first one. Mm. So, so it's like he actively targeted you. Yeah, um. I think he'd, he'd met me through that advert. He'd, he'd spent a couple of weeks sort of getting to know me during training and stuff, mm. and I thought mm. it just seemed to be that. I think when most people meet me, they can tell that I'm one of these people. It's like, mm. what can I do to help? How are you? You know, yeah. I'm like. I'm on the um, mental health committee at work and that kind of thing. I I just like Mm. to help people. So um, I think he could tell. I think he just knew that I would be one of these people that, Mm. you know, he could just sort of manipulate. Yeah. My confidence was low. I I wasn't feeling great about myself. And, yeah, just, you know, I'd lost eight and a half stone. And by Mm. the time I finished with him, I'd put four of it back on. Mm. But he seemed to want me to be overweight he didn't want me to be confident didn't want to help me to maintain what I had achieved yeah and again it wasn't until after it it was my mum that that pointed out to me every time I spoke to you and he was you know he would be suggesting that you have this for dinner or something that was full of fat and cream Mm. and you know silly things like that that you don't realize actually over the period of the five years just it has such an effect on you. you yeah. Your weight starts to creep up, your confidence starts to get low again. So I was in a position where I was just, I think I was really vulnerable and mm. I, I hate admitting that. I don't like to admit that I was one of, I, I was in that position. It's really hard to admit to the people that, you know, you allow that to happen. Yeah. And, and it's taken a long time for me to get to the point where I'm, one, able to talk to it and uh, talk about it and two, able to sort of see that, it wasn't, wasn't all my fault. Yeah, you know? and it's um, just because you've just said you 
allowed it to happen whereas it's not yeah. something that you allowed to happen mm. it's it's something that happened to you as yeah. in he actively pursued you um so I just don't want you to I know you've already yeah. gone through this yeah but I just don't want you to say that you know you allowed it to happen it's not it's, yeah. not, it's definitely not your fault and there's so many other people that have gone through similar things and they're slowly coming out of it um and people that potentially even listen to this story they are realizing that they're in a similar situation yeah. mm. so for those people that may potentially be listening and are thinking oh actually this sounds a lot like what i may be going through what would your advice for them be please talk to someone mm. honestly please tell somebody i wish i had i wish i had sat down with my mom or my best friend at the time and said yeah. here's what's happening you know I feel I feel vulnerable, I feel threatened financially, I'm not coping, I wish I had spoken to somebody. Even, you know, at the time my work had like a mental health committee, so you could mm. speak to somebody in confidence, you know, anyone, just somebody that, that you can sit down and talk to because, you know, talking to you guys even today, mm. it, it has a huge, it makes me feel sort of a relief that mm. even now, you know, all these years later, there's that kind of relief of, yeah, I'm letting some of this go. Yeah. Um, I just wish I had spoken to somebody at the time and please don't think it's your fault. Mm. You know, um, somebody that, the red flags, look for the red flags, look for the people that won't tell you. If you're with somebody and they won't tell you what they're earning or mm. what they're spending money on or they keep forgetting their bank card or mm. um, their wages are not in the bank yet or you know that check hasn't come through yet that's all red flags that add up that can happen maybe once but not consistently over the course yeah. of you know a long period of time mm. but that's kind of how it started for me and how you know it snowballed from there and I wish I had noticed the red flags at the beginning and was quick enough to put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. I guess the only thing I'll have to add to that or just to ask you is looking retrospectively and when you look at your finances is there anything you would do differently with your finances in regards to the relationship yeah i would not have shared so much information Mm. um so quickly with somebody that i didn't really know Mm. i think trust is something that needs to be earned that isn't it's not just uh yeah i I helped you with a 10k, you should trust me. That's not really how it works. Mm. And it's a two-way street. So if you want to know about me, then, you know, share the information about you as well. Mm. And if somebody's not willing to share it, um, that's 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 not right. Mm. Yeah, I just wish I had kept things closer to my chest and, and had been a bit more, you know, not been as open about it yes. so early on and allowed them to, to have access to so much. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for um sharing your story. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um you've given us so much advice, suggestions, wisdom. We're really grateful. Mm. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, um no, thank you very much. And we do hope that it allows people to spot the early signs and because they're so so small. It's those small things like you've just met someone uh, and you, mm. you give them the benefit of the doubt because they left their wallet at home. Mm. You yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt because um, I don't, um, I can't afford to pay for this bill or could you cover that this time around? I think we really should um, take a, a re- be really fixated on all those small little mm. things because they do mm. add up. Um, yeah, I, I wish I'd noticed 
And I wish I'd had the confidence just to say, like, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't have the money this time. But I never did. I just kept, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Mm. And it's okay to say no. Yeah. You know, um, it really is okay to refuse to, to hand over mm. your bank card or, or money or, you know, that's yours and you've earned it. And it's, you know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you so Thank you so much. Wow, that was... That was really heavy. It was really heavy, yeah. honestly. Um, we're not going to try and say too much. Um, I think I just got one question for you guys. Mm. Um, in line with, you know, what she was talking about, how would you feel about giving money to, like, your partners? Obviously, I know you guys are together already, but mm. at which stage of the relationship do you think it's okay to give money to your partner? Um... No, I feel like it's different for boys and for boys and girls, for guys and and ladies. Mm. As in, um, if a lady was to give money to a part to her man, it does kind of come across as um, like they're being taken advantage of. Mm. But then if it's if the roles were reversed, I don't think people really bat an eyelid. That's true. That's true. So go on. It's interesting to hear what you you have to say, Nicola. It's it's difficult because I'm not gonna like just sit in front of the camera and say. I've never asked Eve for like uh, 50 pounds or oh, oh baby, I forgot my wallet at home, for example. So can you uh, cover this and I'll pay you back? But at the same time, I would never ever do that if I just met you or mm. the confidence. Like we've been together now for what, five, six years. No, six, seven years. Six, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Six, seven years. And in the first few years of relationship, I'll never have the confidence to do that. Mm. So I think it's something that the confidence to know that, okay, my intentions are not malicious yeah. if I'm yeah. asking yeah. for yeah. money. And it's a, it's usually a joint goal or, or a joint mm. endeavor when I am asking for something. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, similar school of thought, um, might have to have maybe a few years on the belt. Um, okay, from the perspective of a girl giving a guy money, I don't believe in giving money to men. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I feel like sometimes half the time you do get taken advantage of. Uh, maybe if we were married, mm. I don't know, maybe I'm, I might feel differently because obviously it's our money, but in a relationship, no. But would you accept money from a guy? From a guy? Yeah, I would. I know that sounds really no, as one you're sided, completely entitled yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I would accept money, but I, I wouldn't. And uh, I don't know. I've never been in a situation where I've been in a relationship with someone and they've asked me for money. To be mm. honest with you, I don't know how I'd feel. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like um, you know, we've discussed uh, a lot. Has been discussed in this web on this episode. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this like using suicide as a method of emotional manipulation mm. um so i do i do think that just if you know someone who's going who's having suicide thoughts really uh call the samaritan uh samaritan helpline mm. um there's also resources again uh campaigning against uh living miserably mm. so those are just important things if you know someone who's experiencing very suicidal thoughts I and mean, when it comes to financial abuse specifically um there's surviving economic abuse. There are different charities out mm, there who yeah. are supporting people, mm. uh, you know, and if you, in terms of the mental and the emotional manipulation, mm. I think one thing to look out for yeah. is your employee assistance program. Okay, mm. true. You know, um, some people forget that, but it's a, it's a 
a lot of companies do provide that yeah. if you're going through some form of mental anguish. Yeah. Um, I don't want to just say speak up and, and open up, but I, I think the most important thing you can do is that what, if you're feeling some form of distress, yeah. like do reach out to people that mm. you trust and care about, especially family. Yeah. Um, but no, we do hope um, everyone's kind of just taking a step back to mm. understand this whole financial abuse scenario um, or just this complicated um, dynamic that can happen in a relationship. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye, guys. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to the episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs at Money Medics on Instagram.